Welcome to the Crater Podcast, a weekly show where we discuss all the JavaScript news that's happened on Crater.io this week. This episode is for Friday, February 19th, 2016. This week's episode is brought to you by Modulus.io. They are the single best hosting option available for Meteor right now. Go to Modulus.io and check them out. They offer a marketplace. They offer you Mongo databases. It's very easy to integrate with other Mongo databases. You know, they offer WebSocket support with sticky sessions. They do everything right for your Meteor app. I use them for everything that I'm doing. I would highly recommend you use them as well. Modulus.io. Welcome, Crater fans. I'm your host, Josh Owens, along with my special guest co-host. And I'm Abby Iyer. Welcome, Abby. Man, this is the first time I've ever like hosted this show with you. I watch this show every week. Like, I, like religiously, I watch the show. And oh, really? really? And it's really cool that I'm on the show now as like the host. It's that is pretty. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm a fan, so it's great. Like, it's kind of fanboyism just sitting in this chair right here, like let's talk on Creator Podcast. <laughs> nice, that's awesome. So, do you watch the YouTube version then, or I watch the. Literally, I watch everything Space Dojo puts out, like, religiously. Like, when it comes on the podcast thing, on my podcast app, I, like, get up from my desk. I go for, like, an hour walk just so I can hear Ben, like, you know, make fun of himself and uh, <laughs> some good things going on. Yeah, but, yeah, nice. I watch the YouTube, too. Nice. So, people are going to see us on YouTube right now, right? Yeah, they'll see your – that's – I was just saying before we started, I like your Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, guys, got to rep the Hawaiian shirt. It's Hawaiian shirt Friday. Yeah, I feel like I, I probably can pull that off. I got Digital Ocean today. Ooh. Gotta, yeah, you always have the cool tech shirts. Like, the only tech shirt I have is this Work Pop shirt I'm wearing. Actually, I'm not even wearing a Work Pop shirt. I usually wear one on Friday, too. I forgot. Nice. Yeah, it's you like know. that routine in my schedule to wear this. <laughs> I was looking through my closet the other day and realized, like, I'm totally lacking, like, a React logo t-shirt. I need to figure oh, that man. out. Totally. That's my new jam, I guess. Nice. That's good. Yeah. We just did a uh, Space Dojo show with Wes Boss. So that was awesome. Nice. He, yeah, he covers a lot of uh, React for you know, beginners and stuff. Like his content's really good, too. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It should be an awesome show. All right. So this week, we'll get into it. Uh, we're going to be talking about Apollo to the moon, Alice. Deepstream. Deco, deco, deco. Deco. And JavaScript fatigue, fatigue. <laughs> what? They're getting creative these days with their, their post titles. <laughs> Thankfully, this, this author is really good. So Yeah. 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 So, again, I, I'm continuing this experiment of picking the, the top quoted kind of topics off of Crater. Mm-hmm. Uh, I took it off the last two weeks. We were doing CraterConf last week, which was also awesome. I got That was fun. I felt like I really had some knowledge dropped on me, which was crazy cool. And those those will be coming out on YouTube too. So uh, keep keep an eye out for those. The big topic of maybe the last two weeks says we had multiple stories that would have made it into the top. I just kind of... Yeah merged them together is apollo yeah apollo which you know like had we been talking about this last week we'd have been talking about reactive graphql but this week it's it's called apollo so 
that was kind of a fun play. Um, yeah. This is like an early foray into reactive GraphQL. Fun name. You know, the, the interesting thing to me is like the data layer was a repo under Meteor, but this is actually a whole, like there's an Apollo stack yeah. organization now and Apollo is like the, one of the things coming out of it. The other thing there is like relay standalone and relay runtime query. So I think there's, you know, they're starting to get some repos up and they're starting to play around with things. If you haven't looked at it yet, I would say go take a look. The link in the show notes, they've got like a high level reactivity kind of markdown got them. And, you know, they just talk about what, what all is going to be involved. And this thing looks pretty, pretty crazy. You know, you're going to have to have like an invalidation server and a caching server, most likely. And then you've got the app server, which is going to serve stuff up. So, I mean, it looks, it looks crazy complicated. Have you taken yeah. a look at this? Yeah, yeah. So when uh, Reactive GraphQL first came out on just the design doc, mm-hmm. I, went, I, I actually I scrubbed through it and I like, put a bunch of comments asking Sashko, you know, what about this? What about that? Like certain edge cases I was thinking. And man, that guy is very thoughtful. He knows the right answer to the customer. Like I'm approaching this as if I was going to buy the Reactive GraphQL. So he's a, he, he did it very well, like addressed my concerns and told me like why I was wrong in a really good way. So like I really appreciated that. The cool thing is, like at first, it looks like a DevOps nightmare, right? Like you come in here, you have to do manage all this stuff. But like whether that's true or not, like as a client developer or as a web developer, like you're going to be so much more flexible in anything you do. I was talking to someone. I said, you know, looking at this, this is something I would expect to see a hosting company would come out with, right? Yeah. <laughs> because and they're totally going to be like, oh, it's so hard. Just come pay us some money and we'll make it super easy. And it's like, that's pretty smart. I got it. It's really smart. I mean, Meteor, right, is going to be, or Galaxy is like this hosting behemoth. And it, with the pre-render service they just did, now like, people who have Galaxy memberships can get the pre-render I.O. Uh, integration. And I wouldn't be surprised if they say, oh, yeah, we'll manage all this Apollo stuff if you pay us a little bit more money. You know, yeah. it's, it's a good offering. It's just like if you're an independent developer or a contract developer, like, like it's, it's hard to take advantage of these things when you have to manage it all yourself. Yeah. That's the tough part. It can be, right? Like I... I gave a talk at uh, CraterConf about building my own Galaxy setup, which, yeah. you know, includes things like I run my own pre-render server for Crater. Yeah. But, you know, I got to say, like, between the, the spam and dealing with that and just setting all this stuff up, I, I bet I spent a good, you know, two weeks of time yeah. on that thing, which isn't trivial. And, like, I'm, I shared during the talk a lot of my configs and setups and plan to do it in a blog post as well. But it's not a small thing to manage all this. and It's not a small thing, but also you're very passionate about that type of stuff. So like, I am. Right. So it's like two weeks of hard work plus passion. That's that. But like someone like me who doesn't care, you know, I, I do care, but like I don't have the same like passion for going to figure that stuff out. Like for me, if I don't have the funds, then I probably won't have Apollo, you know? Yeah. So I'm, I'm hoping that's not the case, you know? Because if it's a commercial offering and I'm a Joe Schmo with a one one man team, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. 
I'll yeah. be doing things the old way. As long as they use some off-the-shelf components, right? Like yeah. whatever the invalidation server is, if they're able to do something that's not too hard to run, I don't think that's going to be that bad. Yeah. I think they mentioned in uh, the Meteor Night presentation, Matt had a Meteor Night presentation about Meteor's goal to support any database. And this is like getting us in the right direction because I know a lot of people don't like Mongo, which is mm-hmm. funny because they think it's bleeding edge, but you know, eBay and Stripe use, you know, MongoDB. But like if, if people get more comfortable with other DBs, then maybe Meteor gets a little bit bigger in terms of like patrons and stuff. So yeah, or, you know. which, which could be interesting as well. I want to watch the video. I didn't catch it last night, so maybe we'll talk about it next week. But yeah, this whole thing is super interesting to me. And I, I, I got to watch uh, Aaron talk on GraphQL and I don't know how I feel about it. Like I think, in the end, it's going to be a good change, but at the same time, like, I think it's going to be harder to yeah. write, you know, the kind of the publications that we have now. Uh, there's going to be a little more boilerplate to it, and it'll be a little more work, which, you know, is maybe we get more power down the road. And yeah, it's definitely something that I don't think it'll be as easy to use out of the gate. Did Matt talk about that at all? Like, what, what's happening to DDP as a result of this? No, no, it's very like, you know, was it kissing babies and like shaking hands type thing where like he's just giving you like the surface level stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's okay. That gets people inspired. Yeah. One, one thing that I like to point out is like, so when WorkPop started, we had all this legacy like publications and stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that we've like a bigger team and we're a lot smarter and we know Meteor more, like we still have to fight this like legacy schema that is like propagated throughout the whole app for the last year. So mm-hmm. GraphQL is really interesting to us because on the client, we want we don't want to deal with this like really gross schema. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. the time to deal with it. So let's just transform it into something the client can can use and can use efficiently. So what right. we've been doing in the meantime is, you know, simple schema. Like what we do is we have a client schema and a server schema, and we have like these transformation functions that handle this type of thing. So the client is like has the easiest data possible to manage. I see. But you know, you lose a lot of stuff by doing it. You lose like the mini Mongo reactivity and we didn't really care about that. But having a reactive GraphQL layer to do that translation for you, man, that would help us out a lot. So Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe you're highlighting the point of like my problems are different than your problems because yeah. the products that I work on are like an order of magnitude different, I suppose. Yeah. Most of the time, if I'm working with Meteor, it's like me or me and one other person and not really like a huge team of five, six developers, which I, I have been there before working at Outright, which got bought by GoDaddy. And they had a team of like 30 people and, you know, I was on the API team and they had like front end team and, you know, all mm-hmm. Like it was, it was a pain and I can, I can totally understand that for sure. They moved the repo. So I'm actually already watching it. So I started watching the reactive GraphQL when they first put it up or the data, data repo. And, uh, that was quite a bit of noise out of the gate. And then it's, it's kind of calmed down when they made the name announcement. Someone was being funny and put some pictures in there too. (laughs) Do you know who's on that team? For the data team? I think it's Sashko and it's uh, Justin is on the team. Okay. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, those guys are smart. They'll, they'll definitely figure some, some cool stuff out. Yeah. 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 I would agree. I, I have some trust there. Yeah. I'll be watching and you should be watching as well. 
Yeah, and all the listeners started watching. Yes, yes, definitely. Shall we all go right. to the, the next one? Yeah, what should oh. we be using instead of Meteor? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I don't have the good segues like Ben does, but let's get into the next one. <laughs> um, so there's this cool service called DeepStream.io. And what it is, is it's, it's pretty much an open source framework for real-time web development. Everyone's heard that story before. <laughs> but it, it's, um, the interesting thing about this is it's built by a, a dev shop called Hoxton One. And Hoxton One, they build like a real-time financial apps. Most of the DeepStream examples are like, uh, you have like a mobile app and a web app, and you're like touching graphs at the same time. And you can see on both devices that, you know, the... the the data is, is doing everything in real time. Mm-hmm. And the, so what I did is before the show, I built a small little app with DeepStream. And literally it took like 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get it going. Wow. It's really quick. And I, I'll say this, like DeepStream, what it does is it pretty much, you pretty much can make a little node server with, that has our DeepStream package. So that's the little node server. And what it does is it listens to messages like kind of like PubSub, we've all heard this before, it updates all the clients that are listening to these, these messages. It has a message layer. It also has a caching layer for like, just like data that you're going to be fetching like, you know, constantly. So it's very trivial. And then the last thing is like this, like uh, the actual data layer. So you have to plug and play your own data layer. So mm-hmm. for the one that I did, I did RethinkDB because they have a RethinkDB connector. Uh-huh. So like, it's like just another NPM package called like DeepStream RethinkDB. All you got to do is you just, there's just these nice API methods where you just create a new connector and all your data will just stream to a little uh, RethinkDB instance. So Mm. that's the server end. So all you got to do is pretty much do like an NPM install, a couple little like uh, configurations, and then it's like just like a regular node app. On the front end, however, it's a little different. There's like a deep stream client. There's a client interface on, of DeepStream where you, you actually get it from Bower. Hopefully it's going to be on NPM because who uses Bower anymore? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it has some really nice, like, uh, really basic methods. So for what I did, I didn't have any auth, but they do have authentication. You can just log into your DeepStream server via this method just called dot login. It log in, logs you into your, your server, like, with, you know, with no authentication. And pretty much, you have um, access to, like, the DeepStream server. You can just get records from them. Like, pretty much it's, like, record.get, you know, username or um, record.set some object. And it'll actually, like, update those, those, like, those pieces of data reactively. And uh, you can actually subscribe to these certain records. So it has mm-hmm. this really deep API that just allows you to have, like, these subscriptions on the client and the add-in uh, update methods that we all know. And pretty much when, the, when those things happen, these reactive updates happen instantly. So I built, like, the small to-do app. You can use any front-end framework. You can use, like, Vue or React. I used React, and, man, it was dope. I'm looking at the docs now for the React part. It looks pretty easy. So you just make a subscribe call, huh? Yeah, you just do a subscribe call, and any sets that you do on whatever you're subscribed to will automatically update any like uh, UI that's bound to that that item. Mm. You know, so you can do like in RethinkDB. There's like these, I think it's called Requil. It's kind of weird. Requil queries, and like since RethinkDB is kind of like a table structure, you can like get the table from the DeepStream DB. You can just grab the to-dos table, which I have. 
and you know manipulate data like that. So it was a very interesting learning experience. I'm glad I got assigned this topic because it really took like 20, 25 minutes to get going. And if I wanted to build an app further, I probably would. The only thing is Meteor handles a lot of this for you. Mm-hmm. Like, and then it handles it a lot, a lot of this for you in a more broad sense where like you're not confined to this pub sub type model. Like in Meteor, we have Meteor methods mm-hmm. and we have all these other types of client side data management with reactive VARs and such. Like, you know, Tracker is a little little evil sometimes, but I think, like, it does its job pretty well. Yeah. But if you're looking to do, like, some small, like, toy app, like, this is super perfect. Mm. You want to make some type of Instagram fetcher or something or, like, a YouTube streamer, something like that, or something that you would want to do real time in, like, maybe Uber, little Uber cars going around. <laughs> like, it's perfect. Super simple. And I recommend anyone just try it and have fun. It's really fun to just play with it. It looks interesting. Like, I, I totally didn't even go this deep, so I'm glad you did. That's awesome. I, I think this re- real-time stuff is getting a little crazy. Like, everybody wants real-time web. Mm-hmm. But I, I constantly always wonder, like, how many things, like, need to be real-time? Yeah. How many things actually need to be real-time? We talked – we had the talk from Tom about kind of, like, r- building a real-time UI. And it kind of forces you to rethink how – you are going to update the UI and use like animations and that kind of thing. And yeah, um, you don't necessarily always need things to, to move around the screen once they update. Right. So if you look at something like crater changing what stories are where on the page will happen reactively. But when you add a new story, you actually have to like click a button to get it updated. Sometimes like I'll be on product hunt and be like, man, I wish I would have just updated it. And then you hit the refresh button and you move on in life, right? Is that a yeah. thing? It's probably not, you know? Yeah. It's not. I don't know. It's I guess there's something, something should be real time, something shouldn't. But half the time you can just fake it on the client. Like yeah. You can literally just fake it and no one would know. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I would agree with that. I think it's just more work to fake it, but at the same time, like it takes more server resources or more yeah. client resources to make it real time. So, yeah, yeah if, you're, if you're strapped for server resources, then you know faking it is probably your best bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the first thing you want to ditch when you start having scaling problems uh-huh. with Meteor. Is like, do I really need all this data to be reactive? Yeah, we'll need to go through live query. There's been some interesting talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Uber, little cars moving around on from Uber, we had this awesome five minute screencast on YouTube. Did you watch this thing? Dude, I watched it and it's really cool. I mean, I'm, I was sitting there. I'm skeptical though. There's so much magic going on. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. I don't think it's that much magic. Number one, I think they're better versed in React Native than maybe you or I are. And so, like, they know yeah. the ecosystem better. And sometimes it makes for a good demo to just pull in a couple packages and be like, ooh, look, shiny, you know? But yeah, at the same time, like, they're firing up simulators and, like, reloading the page and building out an Uber UI. And, like, the thing is, when I got done watching it, I started thinking, like, what did they actually do in that five minutes? And they created a UI mm-hmm. for an application that they could go on and build. But my guess is like 
you know, it would take them at least a day to get a lot of that infrastructure in place to actually start to approach anything close to what Uber has. But the, the thing is like, it's still pretty amazing that they were able to get that mocked down in five minutes with this yeah. little IDE. So super interesting to me. That five minute demo is like a very happy path, like demo, you know, I wonder what a real, like real developer experiences with building like non-trivial things. It looked like, you know, you can just drop a map view. You can just drop like that in there. And that's cool because someone that's not you spent the time to actually build out the view and like build it in a, compo- a composable way. So you can, you can just drop map views everywhere. But if you're building something like outside the realm of what they offer, like I wonder what the community is like or are you contributing back to these little modules, you know, that people yeah. They are also starting to do some kind of module discovery from the looks of it. So again, this is React Native. And so I think like if you look at it, the a lot of that map view stuff I think comes from React Native itself. Um, yeah. I'm not sure that they're relying on any third party modules for that. But you know, it's super interesting to me because they, they talk about how they're trying to like filter out these React Native packages that you can then call into your app and kind of rely on, which is Super awesome. We were talking about something similar. Like, there's a couple websites like um, React-Components.com, but there's there's not like a lot of great ways to necessarily go discover React yeah. components. I have a little bit of qualms with React components or React.parts, like these websites. Yeah, like it's hard to find quality components on those websites because. A lot of people, when you're writing components, you have like these personal assumptions about the component, like whether, you know, whether it's blue or green, or like, you know, all these little things that when uh, like someone who wants to consume that package has to like go through all these hoops, like, oh, like it has its own style sheet. Well, I didn't want a style sheet, you know, like, or it, 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 it does something that's against my style guide. Well, you know, uh, that sucks, you know. Anyway. Like things like this, I think are after I've seen a lot of React Native code, and I I don't see this problem in React Native like shared React Native things. You know, I don't know a lot of the React Native components I've seen have been really high quality, so maybe I haven't seen any bad ones yet. Mm. So that's really cool. The React parts that I've seen for the web, I've seen some bad quality ones for sure. Yeah, well, and you know maybe the the interesting difference there is is the lack of direct CSS support, or I can write some style sheet stuff for react native, but I can't really like say like, Oh, this is the bootstrap map component, right? Yeah. Like it's just Flexbox and it's there and you're kind of just laying out your, your UI that way. So mm-hmm. you may be right. Just in the fact that like if someone's building a mobile app, they're taking the time to do it. Right. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. Especially mobile is so important. Like, don't use Cordova, use React Native. You know? mm-hmm. So, you know, that's interesting. I'd, I'd love to get your opinion on this too, like being part of a, a bigger team. You guys like hired some iOS guys and went native, but now that you're, if you had it to do over again, would you look at React Native? Like now that you guys start to use React? If we were to do it over today, mm-hmm. we would probably use React Native or full web, but the dream would be to still go native. But for us, we just had the talent at the time. Like, we got lucky. We had the talent, so we did it. One thing that sucks about, you know, Meteor and native iOS development and Android development is it breaks the cycle of these, what these developers are used to. 
Meteor iOS is awesome because Mart Martin or Martin or whatever uh, he he's keeping up with the you know his GitHub project for that, and he's also part of Meteor Core. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Android scene for DDP is really really crappy. Like we mm-hmm. had we had to wrestle a lot of nasty connection bugs and you know, I, stream errors and all this stuff. You know. You know, I mean, it's interesting, but I I think maybe is that. Is that a symptom of the fact that like the developer community tends to use more iOS, whereas I think Android yeah. is more of an everyman's kind of device? I don't know. Yeah, no, yeah, and that's that's true. But I think what I'm trying to get at is like uh, this whole WebSockets thing versus you know REST. That's the thing that people get like caught up about. Yeah. The cool thing about React Native, and let's say we didn't have any iOS or Android developers. Like, if you're a Meteor developer, you understand PubSub, you understand Meteor methods. Let's say you're also just a regular web developer. You can create REST APIs. Like, so when you go into your like the, the mobile space and you're doing this React Native or Cordova stuff, mm-hmm. you got all the back end or front end components down. The thing you may lack is just the experience to know like how a how a a, a mobile app should feel. Like, if you're working with mobile apps, you just have like this like it's like a designer who can look at a page that's not to spec. You, you just know that there's padding off. You know, you look at it, you know. Same with same with like iOS developers. They just feel the feel it, and they're like, "Whoa, this feels a little weird." So that's something that you lack there. Is that worth like the business risk of you know investing all that money to get people like that? No, hmm. but you know it's not worth it. But if you have the talent and you can do it, totally. Yeah, I'm kind of curious now. Kind of bring it back around the deco. Is this available now? Can people like get this? Sign up. Yeah, yeah, it looks like yeah. you, can. you have to request it. Okay, so no, it's not like fully open yet. Yeah, it's in beta, I believe. Yeah, but you gotta like, it's not like download our beta. It's like, give us your email. Oh, it might be in the welcome email. So give it a try. Yeah, it's super I, fresh, you know. I plan at some point this year, probably like around May, I plan to uh, do a React Native training. Oh yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, I think I may just use this because this is it looks it looked amazing. It looked amazing. Yeah. I think there's still there's still value in teaching people tools, you know, like like this. Yeah. Speaking of tooling, I'm tired of the JavaScript fatigue. <laughs> I'm getting fatigued. Tell me more. <laughs> so you're getting fatigued about JavaScript fatigue. So the last topic is JavaScript fatigue fatigue. And uh <laughs> I know what you guys are thinking, you're listening, you're like another article about JavaScript fatigue. Well, thankfully, this author is Axel Rashmeyer, and he's written a, a, a book called Learning ES6. He has a great uh, website called tuality.com with all his like musings about JavaScript. And he gives some great advice, like really great advice that he, he says, he understands that web development is overwhelming. And so I think everybody does. That's what, like, that's what the fatigue is. But he gives a couple tips to get over the fatigue. So, like, one of them is, like, don't try to know everything. And I think that's a lot of the problems with the people that are our developers is, like, we have this thirst for knowledge. Like, we love learning. We love doing new things. But the minute that you know that 20 new things just came out yesterday, you get kind of, like, stressed that you don't know it and, like, you know, some, some type of job security relies on your ability to know certain things. So I understand that. 
also people get on the bleeding edge and he, he advises that you should wait for a critical mass. Like mm-hmm. React two years ago was probably bleeding edge and now it's getting, getting mass. So maybe right now is probably the perfect time to jump in because it's going to approach critical mass very soon. And you can wait for people to just, you know, flesh out their ideas. Like I know Ben Newman is into this thing called rollup.js to handle like this whole module system. Mm-hmm. But it's super bleeding edge, and even he says it's it's something that he's going to watch. And if it gets better, the classic train just came by. Yeah, I always listen. I always listen to that on the podcast. So, but anyway, <laughs> back back to the thing. So, like Ben Newman, he's waiting on roll up, and he's going to wait till it hits critical mass, and then maybe he'll consider it for meteor. Some other things is like when you learn these things, like like I did for the deep stream, you just do like a small pet project, mm-hmm. and you don't spend a lot of time on it. You just create a small project, learn what it's about, and then dump it in the trash. Like, who cares? You know, as long as you, like, learn something from doing it. And uh, sorry for going through all these points, but the last point, I think, is the most important point. Find yourself outside of your work and do other things than just programming or, like, solving problems. Like, you know, anything that's not related to your work is going to help ease your fatigue. So if, like, you like to go hiking or if you like to, like – indie movies or like all these little, little things that people like you should go do those things more when you're like fatigued because that'll help you like alleviate the stress of like all this challenge with fatigue that's actually a great point for life in general um yeah totally i think axel writes he helps do javascript weekly maybe i want to say oh yeah one of those i'll have to confirm that he's a he's a really smart smart guy talented author i i lean on his publications to learn things like, um, and he's coming out with this piece that is hey, focus on non-technical things, mm-hmm. you know, be more well-rounded because the minute you, the minute you like lock yourself in to this, this lifestyle, like of an engineer, like you're like constantly doing everything. All you think about like, it's like, there's no, that's like no way to live personally. Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes when we, like, even you probably, like, when we're working and we're, like, super focused on solving something and, like, our minds are so, like, concentrated on doing this. We for- Sometimes you forget to eat, right? Sometimes you forget to go outside. Like, all this stuff that just clouds your mind because you're so focused. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, one of my friends said, like, oh, I want to be a software engineer. I was like, yo, you should not be a software engineer because, like, if you have an addictive personality to, like, always learn and, like, work and stuff like it's going to be killer for you because it's going to be unhealthy actually for you. Yeah. yeah yeah i wouldn't wish i wouldn't wish this on anybody else you know <laughs> yeah I, I think people that are open to react or open to like developing everything in javascript are probably closer to the bleeding edge and that that's probably why a lot of us kind of feel like we have javascript fatigue like i i even tweeted a couple weeks ago like I just, I wish I had more time to go learn all the interesting and exciting stuff that's coming out in the JavaScript ecosystem because, you know, like I haven't even had a chance to really play with React Native. Like I've just been relying on Cordova and using that to to build mobile apps, but I think React Native would be super interesting. Or like I've just in the last month and a half really started playing with React myself. So it definitely can feel like you should know more, but I, I think he's right. Like it's, it's okay if you don't, 
you know, yeah. it's not the end of the world. And he had another point in here too. Like every piece of technology you bolt onto the app you're building just makes it that much harder for someone else to come in and kind of contribute to your project. And yeah. like, that's, that's the biggest thing that always drew me to meteor is like, I don't, I don't have to worry about bolting in too many other technologies to get an app built. You know, I just rely yeah. on, on meteor and like it, it sets the stage for how an app should be built. And I've certainly seen in my time, like a lot of different Rails apps and they're all built slightly different, of course, depending on the developer, but nothing uh, was worse than when I was in the kind of the backbone community. Like every backbone application I saw was like a hundred percent different. Like it was so bizarre. I hate backbone for that reason. (laughs) I'll say it. I hate backbone. I think it's like, this is a really strong opinion, but I think it sucks. So well, it wasn't. I don't, I don't think it was enough of an opinionated kind of exactly to install, and so everybody kind of like filled in the gaps themselves, and that led to pain. Like the the worst project I was on, we came in and like it was written in Backbone, and I had never seen anyone even write an application in this style before. But then, like the guy that wrote it all was quitting the day we started on the project. So, oh man. Yeah. It was lost in translation there. You know? Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly they, they scrapped the whole thing. <laughs> it's terrible, but yeah, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't think you have that with meteor. Definitely not. Like you don't have to manage all this overhead that yeah. other things have to put on you. And honestly, like the people at meteor, like they're passionate about solving the stuff that you don't want to solve. Because yeah. I don't want to work on a build tool, to be honest. I think it's the most boring thing. You have yeah. to do like a grunt or gulp setup, like shoot me. Please, just do it. Here, yeah. Here's the gun, shoot me, done. But with Meteor, I don't have to manage any of this stuff. I don't have to minify my CSS. That mm-hmm. would suck. You know, all this great stuff that now I can just focus on things that I do get excited about. You know? Exactly. And actually, that actually reduces our fatigue. Like we're in, in the Meteor community, we're fatigued by other things. We're not really fatigued by the same things that – most JavaScript developers are fatigued about. Yes, we're fatigued over pull requests getting in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're is, you know, about... There's worse things in life, I think. Seriously, there are worse things. But now that we're going to be integrated with the JavaScript community, there are some, you know, fears of you guys getting fatigued, especially the meteor listeners. Read this article, and you'll probably be fine. Just know, like it's not the end of the world. I, I had a boss, so I, I worked at uh, Avon as in like Avon lady calling. And mm-hmm. I was in the IT department here in, in Cincinnati. They had a call center. You know, like people would just get so stressed out about their job. And our boss would just like come out of his office and he'd be like, everybody, calm down. <laughs> We're not curing world hunger. We're not sending people to the moon. We make lipstick. We'll live. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. You know, you're right. Like, there's no app that I'm building that's going to probably change the world. At least if I'm building it for a client, like, maybe a small change. But if I get it yeah. done today or I get it done tomorrow or whatever it is, like, it's not that. Yeah. No app is worth your sanity or your, your well-being. So Agreed. that's another thing to think. So. Agreed. Cool. This is a great lineup of posts. Yeah. Yeah. I'm finding it interesting to, like, let let the community kind of dictate what we talk about. Like I, I probably would have chose some of those posts, but not all of them. So it's interesting. Mostly it's like meteor biased or, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
this was really good. It was like fresh and then we could bring our meteor influences into it, which I really liked. So that yeah. Was- yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I, I gotta say like Deco, I think was like the number one top voted story or was tied for number one. So nice. You know, people are interested in this stuff. Yeah. At least in meteor land. All right. Well, thank you, Abby, for filling in. Really. Hey, thanks for having me. I'd love to do this anytime you need me. Yeah, definitely. That may happen more than not. I don't know. We'll see. Ben certainly busy now with uh, transmission as well. I, I kind of took his time today for Space Dojo show as well. So, Yeah. If the audience loves me, I'll be back. Tweet. Yeah. If you love Abby, tweet it. Yeah. There we tweet go. Me. Cool. What, what, what is your Twitter handle? It's Abby Iyer and A-B-H-I-A-I-Y-E-R. It's really hard to spell. But I usually tweet Josh. I tweet Ben. Like, I'm in the Twitterverse for Meteor. Mm-hmm. Probably, like, if you don't know me, you, you will. So. All right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in and listening. I really appreciate it. And we'll be back next week for sure. We'll see who's on. Maybe... If you have enough people tweet, maybe we'll have Abby on. I don't know. Yeah, maybe I'll be back. (laughs) And as always, uh, we've got the Space Dojo Slack chat room, uh, which is a pretty awesome place to hang out. Can I give like a customer success story on the Space Dojo Slack? Yeah. Uh, Because I am part of the Slack channel. Yeah. Hey, if you want to learn, if you want to talk to other media developers and like have good conversations, arguments, like things that really like push the boundary of like what you know and what, yeah, all that type of stuff. (laughs) Consider joining the Slack chat room. I'm there. There are a lot of smart people there. And if you need help, like everybody's down to help. Everybody's down to help you solve your, your issues. Like I've met a bunch of online friends from it. I've met Ben and Josh through that. I met David Sakura, like all okay grow. Like everybody's in that chat room. So if you're part of the community, you should be there. Yes. Uh, That's awesome. Thank you. (laughs) No worries. I, I think I think people don't believe me, but it's like I feel like uh, if you took Stack Overflow as a concept and like made it real time and made it like five times better, like the answers you likely get will be right. Like that's more what the Space Dojo like general chat room is, <laughs> or yeah. or the sub chat rooms, right? Like React or any of those places. Yeah, there's a ton of good content in there. Yeah, definitely. And and you can come in and make fun of Ben with the rest of us. Yeah. Oh, and all the great thing with Ben being in there, he lets us know what's going on on transmission before yeah. it happens. Like all yeah. that great insider stuff. So indeed, get on it. Get Inside on it. baseball. And then uh, as always, uh, Modulus is our sponsor. So if you're looking for hosting, you could go somewhere else. Or you could go to Modulus. I think Modulus is a great place to host applications. You know, there's there's a ton of options out there now, but mm-hmm. um, very few are turnkey, and that is definitely one of them. So, all right. Thanks, Abby. We'll uh, Thanks. see you guys next week. This has been a Space Dojo production. You can find out more information about Space Dojo at spacedojo.com. It's easy to join the mailing list and stay in the loop. That's S-P-A-C-E-D-O-J-O dot com.